0: We've seen miracles, we've seen healings, Uh, we've seen people that were lost get saved, we've seen people that were physically lost and missing be found by police. We've just seen miracle stuff happen in response to God's people praying. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. And now, your hosts, Bill Eliff and Kyle Reno.
1: Well, welcome to the One Cry podcast. I'm Bill Eliff, and this is Kyle Reno. And uh, we're kind of like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And
2: <laughs> better ending,
1: brother. But better. hopefully we pray for a better <laughs> yeah, ending. That's right. Uh, but today's going to be a great day, and we're so thrilled that you're listening Uh we we get to hear from a a really great uh man right. Vance Pittman in just a little bit uh who is modeling something for right. the next generation and God is using him in an extraordinary way across the country but particularly in the west That's and right. uh but but we're going to talk about uh about something that we come back to over and over again That's you know right. uh Kyle I don't know that you know this about me but I am an Oreo man
2: through and through
1: yeah, I'm talking. I've tried every like mint, you know, chocolate, whatever it is. Uh, but uh, and double stuff. I to say, are you original or double stuff? Well, Do I can be either. I'm <laughs> ambidextrous. Yeah. So, <laughs> ambidextrous, both but hands. I, but you got to have a big glass of milk, you cold get, milk. I mean, there's no other way. And but you know what I gravitate gravitate back to is the uh, just the old original man. Yeah, man. And because you just can't, you know, uh, nothing fuels diabetes more. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great promo. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's right. But, you know, we, we keep coming back on this podcast yeah. to one theme, right. and it's the theme of unceasing prayer. That's right. And and I think the reason is, Kyle, that there's no there's no revival and there's no awakening right.
2: without prayer. That's right. Yeah, we have to come back to this. I mean, it's not like if you stay with us on this podcast, and I hope you do, and subscribe and share it with others. Uh, We're unashamedly going to keep coming back to this passion for real prayer because there's no real revival without people catching a desire to pray. And I I think about I I love reading the scripture and trying to slow down and read it even with a sense of humor because these are real people, you know, and I think about for 40 days you have Jesus in resurrected state, right? And he's sharing. It says he teaches them one topic, the kingdom of God over and over and over again. And you think about what aspects of the kingdom he's sharing and what's in his heart to make sure his disciples have. And Vance Pittman, I actually remember him preaching about this. And then all of a sudden he ascends right up to heaven. And, and I, he said this and I laughed so hard because I know it's true. It would have been true for me. He says, and I believe they would have died there if an angel wouldn't have came and said, what are you staring at? What are you waiting for? He'll, he'll return one day, but it's not right now. You know, and, and let me tell you what I love, their response, because the Lord tells them, go and wait. Go and wait on the promise of the Holy Spirit. And what you see in Acts 1 is that they directly tie waiting with praying. And, and they do some things waiting, what? For an outpouring. For an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I know, listen, I don't want to get into the argument. I know that there is a uniqueness descriptively about Acts 1 and 2. Uh, there, there's, there, there was the start of something in that moment. But what I don't think is unique is the position God's people get in. I believe that's something prescriptive, something God desires in every generation for every Christ follower to be ready for God to move. So you see in Acts 1, 13 through 15, it says, when they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying, and then it lists off the disciples. Verse 14, it says, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Hear that. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus during this time when about 120 believers were together in one place. So a few observations about these cross followers that had just been told to wait to wait for the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives personally. What can we learn? Well, a few things. It started with a real place. It started with a real place. They went and found an upstairs room that would obviously hold 120 or so people. We refer to it as the, the upper room, you know, a place where they could get positioned before God to meet with Him. It wasn't a synagogue necessarily. And we know it wasn't a synagogue, but merely a place that they could pray. Let me tell you what i found personally. It's not where that makes the place special per se. It's what happens there. Meaning it's not where that makes the thing happen. It's what you actually do once you get there. So I I just want to encourage my pastor friends and church leaders. Are our churches special places because of what happens there? Are they real places that have been set apart for real praying. Now, you can pray anywhere and praise God. Uh, And I hope you have special places personally. Might be closets, might be a chair, might be a back porch or front porch or a a walking trail that you go and walk with God and prayer. But I want to encourage us with a thought here in light of the upper room. Where's a place that the people of God come and pray? Or what's a real place that they know that they're going to meet with God right there? So it's a real place. Second, they rallied the right people. Why Don't you think about that? They they it, it wasn't everyone because at some points there's thousands that were following Jesus, and we know a lot of deserted at this point. But there were 120 that were ready to wait. There were 120 that were ready to pray. And I, I just want to encourage uh, other pastors and church leaders out there. I know that that getting people to pray can be one of the most discouraging things on planet Earth, because uh, the In a lot of ways, and I don't mean this harshly, sometimes you find who is the true church, you know? Who are those that are willing to walk into the presence of God? Symbal has always said, good preaching can get somebody to Sunday morning. Only Jesus can get somebody to the prayer gathering because they're there to meet with him. But I would rather personally spend my energy rallying people to the real thing that promises real power than to merely do the easy thing that appeases people, that appeases people. So we got a decision to make in that. How are we going to get people into places, the right people, to pray real prayers? So there a few things. Now we're saying you have you you have the real place, you have rallying people, and then you got to do the right thing. I've heard I've been to prayer gatherings and we haven't prayed much. anybody ever been to one of those? It's pretty. Strange. Actually, you walk away going, that was good. Did we actually ask God to do anything? So, you have 10 days we know right here that they cried out. I believe they prayed in light of a promise. God said he was going to do this. Jesus just said he was going to do this. So, they're praying that promise into existence. And it says consistently, consistently meeting together and praying. And let me tell you what I think is true in my life, and I think it's true in the life of the church that we back up right before the breakthrough comes. I think a lot of times that we, we don't persevere till we see that promise actually play out through prayer. And, and, and coming into, I know a lot of leaders out there, you, you think through seasons, I do. Uh, and I think God gave us seasons in the natural. And it helps us understand things in the spiritual. Uh, what what, what seasons spiritually are you planning for come January? We've watched this, uh, Bill. We've watched that churches are engaging, it seems like, more and more at the first year with seasons of prayer and fasting, that they're setting up like rhythms in their church each season to think through, how are we going to pray intentionally? How are we going to walk? How are going to rally the right people to do the right thing in real places, to believe that if we do that, that's our part, that God has always been faithful, always been faithful to do his part. So here, here's, my, here's my encouragement. Anybody else out there want to see real power? In our day, I'm not looking for Acts 2 again. I, I'm, I'm looking for an outpouring of the Spirit again, for a movement of God. And so they do that for 10 days, and then what happens? Just to remind us and build our faith. And on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly, I love when God shows up everything starts shifting. Everything starts changing. There was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking to each other in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them his ability. This ability. Think about this. Ten days they waited in a real place with the right people and they prayed real prayers and now they're experiencing real power a real move of god now i'm not pentecost is pentecost but what do we need now man we need an outpouring we need the real thing again we need moments in god's presence where god gives us power and wisdom and and understanding and then moves us into mission like never before So I think that the positioning is still the same. The wind blows as it wills, but the positioning is still the same. So I'd encourage us to think through how to do that personally and in our churches in this time.
1: You know, uh, that's so beautiful. And Kyle, I I was just thinking as you were sharing that of Jesus in John 14, right before this, you know, he asked, they get the disciples are afraid because he right. keeps saying, "I'm leaving, I'm leaving, yeah, I'm out." And uh, he gives a little locker room talk yeah. in John fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen, mm-hmm. and and he and he says this now. Look, um, I've done great works, but greater works mm-hmm. than this are you going to do? And I, I just can't. You know, it puzzled me at first, right. uh, but I realize it's not greater in significance, right. but greater in scope. That's right. So here was Jesus. He ascends to heaven. There are 120 mm-hmm. folks there, right? right? And he knows, though, if they will wait right. and they will pray, if they'll use the means yeah. that he's put at their disposal, mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit is going to come in power. Right. And it's not, It's going to be 3,000 right. the first day. Right. You know, the first message right off the bat, <laughs> yeah. the first day, and now... If the church will pray the magnitude of that all across the world. Right. And, the, and the point of that is so the gospel goes to every tongue, That's right. tribe, people, and nation, Amen. and then the end will come. Amen. So, uh, well, Lord, help us to, do to pray like that. Kyle, we've got a, a man that is really illustrating this. Right. And uh, we had the privilege of catching up with him not long ago Vance Pittman at Hope Church in Las Vegas, and who also works with the North American Mission Board. Right. Uh, of the SBC. And so listen to what Vance has to say about this very topic. We're so thrilled to have uh, Vance Pittman, one of our dear friends, and uh, just one of God's choice men that he's using in a great way. Uh, Vance went out 20 years ago and started Hope Church in Las Vegas. But as I mentioned before on our earlier broadcast, uh, he did that with the the calling from God to start a church planting church and really a church planting movement in the West. And Vance, we're thrilled to have you today. Man, it's great to see you again.
0: Bill, great to see you. I'm really honored to be here. I so appreciate uh, your impact in my life. It's a joy now to be in the West and be able to work with some of your sons in places like Colorado and up in Seattle and church planting and to see your generational impact in places that maybe you didn't ever think you'd be impacting, but uh, man, it's just, it's great to be here with you.
1: Well, we're glad to have you. And, and today, uh, Vance, we just, I I know that there's something, and this is not true of a lot of pastors and Christian leaders. Uh, I've often said nothing's going to happen God's way until prayer quits being a side room and becomes mm. the foundation. You know, the apostles said, we're going to devote our, we're going to be strong towards this prayer and the ministry of the word of God. Yeah, And uh, I know that's in your heart. It just, it just comes out of every pore of your life and your teaching and your impact on the 75 or so churches that you've planted out there in the West and, and you're speaking and teaching. So talk to us, uh, how, how did that get into your soul? How how did Mm. prayer become a uh, priority for you above other things? Mm.
0: Yeah, when I I came to Christ, Bill, my my mom and dad, you know, my dad, my dad was a pastor, but my mom and dad were first generation Christians. So we don't, I don't come from a long line of grandparents and great grandparents that were believers. My grandparents on both sides were very lost. I got to lead a couple of them to Christ before uh, they passed. But um, very lost uh, in, in a lot of ways, um, alcohol, womanizing, just a lot of stuff. So my mom and dad, first generation Christians, I didn't come to Christ uh, until I was a freshman in college, grew up in the church, um, knew how to give the church answers, was baptized when I was a kid, but it was a freshman in college that I came to Christ and genuinely began a relationship with Jesus. Mm. And uh, I, I, I don't even know how it happened, but I got connected to this group called the Navigators.
1: There you go. Um,
0: The Navigators and Discipleship Journal is a magazine that they used to produce, and I used to read that voraciously.
2: Hmm.
0: And it was the Navigators that really began to impact me early on uh, in this thing of prayer, intimacy with God, uh, devotion, devotional life, uh, the Christ life. But I kind of, I hate to say this, but then I got caught up in the church. And for probably a decade of my own spiritual journey, prayer was just not something that was at the forefront. Uh, And I don't think, I mean, even as I hear myself say that, Mm -hmm. I don't want to communicate that now I got it figured out because I think if you really are passionate about this thing of prayer, you never think you've arrived. Like you just think, I don't pray like I should pray. Mm -hmm. But um, it was the Navigators and then, you know, was taught some of the early stuff, the ACTS prayer model. But prayer became a lot of... um, system and structure for me rather than real conversation with god Mm -hmm. Uh, and it really honestly built wasn't until god called us here to las vegas that was really born out of a prayer just a simple prayer of yes because my wife and i felt like lord and anything but yes didn't go together but it was that yes prayer that we laid on the altar before the lord that moved us to las vegas Mm -hmm. and when i got to las vegas I mean, I've been in ministry for 10 years. I pastored successful churches that grew. The church I left was the senior associate pastor, was over 2000 people, gave a million dollars a year to missions. I knew how to do church. Right. When I got to Las Vegas, I didn't have one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, for the first time, really in my spiritual journey, since I'd come to Christ, became overwhelmed with how desperate I was. Mm -hmm. I felt like those disciples in the upper room if God's not God, we are sunk. Like two, three white guys from Alabama and Tennessee moved to one of the most diverse cities in America, uh, the most diverse zip code in the United States at that time and still to this day. And we didn't have a clue how to do this. And I told on an earlier broadcast, the story of this lady who prayed, That, that, that lady's prayer birthed a rally cry in our church that said, we don't pray before we work, prayer is the work, then God works. And so we, we threw our whole strategy out after we heard this story of this lady who'd been praying and we just prayer walked 50,000 households. It took us five months to pray up and down every street, pray over every home. And we took something that people don't need. It's a relic now, but we took the Las Vegas phone book and we had three churches pray through the Las Vegas phone book three times over every name in 2000. And ask God two things, Lord, would you open their hearts to the gospel? Would you raise up labors for the harvest? And over the next six months, all we did was walk and pray. We saw 185 disciples made in our city and God birthed a church, Um, but it was really born out of seeking God in prayer. And so it just became a part of who we were, but then our church took off and man, we began to drift again. And in 2015, I began to just really study awakenings, movements. I'd actually had a conversation the previous year with Byron Paulus uh, at the SBC about awakenings and movement that began to stir some stuff in my heart. Um, I preached a series in January of 2015 called When God Moves out of the opening pages of the book of Acts. And God just convicted our church again to be a church, not a church that prays, but a church of prayer. His house would be called a house of prayer. And we begin to implement corporate prayer back into the life of our fellowship to the point that now we take eight to 10 minutes of every weekend gathering and we lead our congregation in scripture-fed, spirit-led, worship-based prayer, leading our church in that um, every weekend. And we got lost people. People say, you can't do that with lost. Here's what I've discovered. When lost people come to church, they expect you to talk to God. As a matter of fact, they hope you're going to help them talk to God. They didn't come for a show. They came because we thought, they thought we knew where God was. And so we lead, and we've just seen when we seek God in prayer, we experience God in power. And when we don't, we don't. We've seen miracles. We've seen healings. uh, We've seen people that were lost get saved. We've seen people that were physically lost and missing be found by police. We've just seen miracle stuff happen in response to God's people praying.
1: So awesome. And you know, uh, th- this, this culture, and it is a culture, uh, that's gotta be so foundational. And then, you know, I remember one day thinking as we were building our church here in Little Rock, okay, are we going to have a prayer meeting, you know? And so everything is based on that prayer meeting, or is every single thing in the life of our church that's it be permeated with prayer because you know, a guy said to me one time, Bill, you're kind of a prayer guy. So, well, no, I'm kind of I hope I'm kind of a presence of God guy. That's it. Power of God guy. And prayer is the means to that. I mean, yes, how sir. can we expect to lead the church and see the power of God if we don't talk to the head of the church? You know? That's exactly so, right. That's so that's awesome. exactly right.
0: Yeah. So in, in, in 2017, I kind I was speaking at a conference in Toronto, Canada, and I met a guy named Daniel Henderson, who you know, Daniel.
1: Yeah, well. and
0: daniel began to take this thing in my heart and take it to an even new levels by he just taught me this simple little thing of look where there are already footpaths and build sidewalks and mm-hmm. so what he was saying was don't go out and start a prayer meeting. look for ways places where people are already there and that's how we created these things in our weekend services we created things in our rhythms with leadership and our rhythms with staff so that now like We just had a new lead pastor on our team uh, who started with us in February. and He just said this to me last week. He said, Vance, I think I've had more conversations with God with our pastors than I have had conversations just with pastors. Meaning he feels like we talk to God together more than we talk together together. And that's the kind of culture that you want to have. In a church, if you're gonna see movement and spiritual awakening happen.
1: Yeah, that's ab- absolutely true. And so so good. But you have to you have to be aware of that and have to be desperate for that. And you know, uh, Vance, I'm sure you would say the same thing. I talk to staff members of churches all the time who say, I have never prayed with my pastor one time. You know, yeah, maybe it's a segue prayer, Lord bless yeah. this media. Yeah. Uh, but it's not two hours of prayer. It's not an yeah. hour of prayer. It's not dedicated time to pray. And uh, and we wonder why the power of God is not present.
0: Yeah. So, you see two things permeate the church in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. And that is the leaders resolve to prayer and the word. Mm-hmm. And secondly, the people of God praying together. Yeah. 26 times in 28 chapters in the book of Acts, you see the word prayer or praying. Mm. almost every one of those is the church praying together. We've so made this thing of prayer, this individual get off in a closet by yourself. And listen, we need to pray by ourselves, Mm -hmm. but there's something supernatural that happens when the people of God pray together. And Mm -hmm. we've abandoned that in the corporate church in America, we've relegated prayer to moments of transition. When we move people onto and off of a stage We don't pray just to pray anymore. We pray to change the set. We pray to get people to close their eyes so we move the band. But the real call of the church is to cry out to God in desperation. And when we do that, we then begin to see God do things. Our metric every Monday that we talk about when when we talk about how did Sunday go is not Did we hit all our times right? Did the songs come out right? Was the sermon good? No, the metric is what can we say yesterday can only be described by the presence and power of God. And if we're not seeing that every single week, something is wrong. Something's wrong with the church in America that we can do church for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks whether God ever shows up or not. And you know the quote, Vance Happner said it. The tragedy of the hour is the situation is desperate, but the saints are not.
1: Wow, wow. You know uh, what's thrilling, and I've often said that that God is is just uniquely moved and irresistibly moved when we cry out to Him together. There's just something about it when we all join together in prayer, and He hears that desperate cry. And uh, all through Scripture, uh, He's He says that. So uh, transition, and it's not a transition, but it's. Uh, as we think about the, the need in our nation right now, and we could say, well, we got a political need or we got a financial need or, the, you know, this problem and that problem. What is the great need of the hour and how does prayer play into that?
0: Well, I, I mean, you know this, the great need of the hour is revival. We, mm-hmm. we need a fresh move of God. Mm-hmm. The hope for America is not coming out of Washington, D.C. The hope for America is not riding a donkey or an elephant. The hope of America is a fresh wind and move of God. Mm-hmm. And here's what I know. When you study movement around the world, everywhere you see movement, the movement of God, the power of God, you dig deep enough. You will mm-hmm. always find God's people praying. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. everywhere in the world, there's been a move of God, whether it's China, India, wherever you want to talk about it, America, the great awakenings, you get deep enough into the soil of that movement and you will discover a remnant of God's people Mm -hmm. who were desperately crying out to him in prayer. I -hmm. can't explain what I'm about to say, but here's what I believe convictionally based on the scripture and experience. God in his sovereignty has chosen to limit his activity to the prayers of his people. Now, mm-hmm. God didn't have to do it that way. No. He's sovereign. But mm-hmm. in his sovereignty, he chose to do it that way. Mm-hmm. And whenever you see God moving, you see it's in response to his people praying. If we're, we cannot create movement, we can't start enough prayer meetings to make movement happen. Mm-hmm. But prayer are one of those, I always say it this way, we can't create movement, but we can lift up the saved. Another one of those sails of movement is the prayer of God's people. Mm -hmm. When we come together and pray, we're lifting up the sails. Should the wind of the spirit of God move to be ready to catch that wave? And that's what I think prayer and movement. That's why I think they're so linked together.
1: And and you know, what's fascinating right now, Dave Butts, who's the head of the National Prayer Committee is on our One Cry team. Uh, he He says and he said this repeatedly the last year, he said, we believe all these prayer groups are connected through the National prayer committee that there are more people in America praying right now than any time in history. Mm. And uh, when you may see, that be so? Oh yeah well you see the prayer the prayer movements, the prayer initiatives, the prayer, You know, at coliseum events. I mean, you know, you see all these kind of different things happening, and just I think you'd probably say with me, you know, fifteen years ago you couldn't scare up a conversation about revival, right? And and but now every godly pastor I know is saying we've got to have revival. How do we do that? Yeah. And and they're learning, and we're learning together. Well, it begins by desperation. That leads to a desperate cry, yeah, and, and sustained, uh, fervent uh, crying out to God. And God, I've studied this in the Bible. I can't find a place in the Scripture where God's people prayed humbly, repentantly, that God didn't hear an answer. That's right. He, he, well, he promised them. that He would. Yeah, and He's got everything to gain by that, you know. And
0: we're praying according to His will. It's what He wants to do.
1: Yeah. So beautiful. So Vance, tell us, uh, just give us one final thought about how you would encourage a pastor that's listening or a spiritual leader or a small group leader to get in on what God's doing here through prayer. What would be, what would be some first steps for them?
0: I would, as a first step, whether you're a small group leader, a pastor in your gathering, whether that's your small group or your church, just take five minutes Mm -hmm. Take a psalm, take one verse out of that psalm and lead your people through that verse to just pray. How can they praise God from that verse? How can they request of God from that verse? How can they seek God through that verse and just take five minutes and just lead your people Mm -hmm. to pray? And if you'll begin to do that, I'm telling you, you will see God begin to do the supernatural. We, yeah. we, um, we had, uh, and I know this doesn't fit in everybody's box. We had a, a moment in our services not too long ago where our worship pastor had been through some stuff physically. So I brought him up on stage. We used our, our few minutes in the service to pray for God's healing on his life. But because I knew him, I knew he wouldn't want us just to pray for him. So we took some scripture and we just prayed a biblical prayer around God's power to heal. We had anybody in the room stand that needed prayer for healing. And Bill, honest before the Lord, I'll let you talk to the two ladies. We have two women in our fellowship who were healed of stage four cancer um, that are now alive. They're thriving in our fellowship. They're using their and this has been a couple of years ago that this happened. So um it's God moves in response to the prayers of his people and just begin to obey that.
1: Amen. Well, so good. I, you know, I, I think as you're saying that, uh, I don't know if you've uh, read Donald Whitney's little book, Praying the Bible, and his his contention is that most people get bored. They quit praying because they they're tired of saying the same old things about the same mm. old things. And he said, "If you ever understand that every scripture in the Bible can be prayed, right? And that's how we—that's why we how we pray it into our context, to our family, to our about our church—is not just read the Bible, but pray the Bible." And his little book, uh, "Praying the Bible," is so so helpful in that in that way. Well, thanks so much, Vance. It's been a joy to be with you. I hope you can uh, we can have you on again in the future. We love you. And, uh, can I just pray for you for just a minute? Yes, sir. You have such a strategic role. Father, we're just so grateful for Vance and for Hope Church and, and the church planning movement in the West. Lord, it's, uh, it's so encouraging to think that you are, you are preparing these wineskins. Uh, and Lord, we ask now just pour out your spirit, your wine, your presence from heaven uh, that would lead literally millions of people to Christ. And Lord, we know our, our history, and we know that you have done that in at least five times in our nation's history, mm-hmm. just nationwide movements of spiritual awakening. So we pray for that. And Lord, we pray that you would protect uh, Vance and his team and these church planters, uh, that you would fill them with yourself, uh, Lord, you would give them great advance in their understanding of you and how to cooperate with you. And, Lord, you just continue to use them in the strategic way that we see you using them in these days. So we pray, Lord, for your blessing, just your blessing. Yes, which God. Is so good, Lord, just pour it out on this wonderful man and his team. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen.
1: Man, I
2: love Vance Pittman. Yeah. And just it's, his heart. He's a voice. He really is. The Lord is. is raising up a voice yeah. right there. Well, and he let him live it. He let him live it there in their church and how prayers were a part of forming and fashion from the very beginning and now it is honestly the the power behind what they do there. And it just reminds us again, these are not just things that are in the Bible, but these are things that believers are living living in places and are seeing the same kind of stuff. And so I know, Bill, we always want to stop and pray this way mm-hmm. and not just hear us pray. We encourage you, please pray with us. Right, Please please pray right now and ask God to show you some adjustments to make and what this means for your life and even for your church. So Bill, start us off and I'll close this in a okay. second.
1: Father, our hearts, uh, when we hear your word and we hear the true story of what you've done in the past, coupled with what you're doing right now uh lord we say like the disciples on the road to Emmaus did not did not our hearts burn within us lord that we something lord just inside of us longs Mm. to see your power your life manifested in greater measure and then we look around at the darkness of our world and and the incredible need and the millions Billions of people who are on their way to eternity without you. God, please send your power. And Father, we pray that a great spirit of intercession and prayer would just flood across the nation Mm -hmm. and across the world. And Lord, thank you that we're seeing that. Mm -hmm. Lord, we're just seeing an extraordinary prayer movement happening right now. And so we thank you for that. Lord, don't pass us by. Don't let us uh sleep in a time of harvest That's lord right. don't let us just be slumbering somewhere when when we're to be working and praying and sharing the gospel and uh, take us there lord
2: in jesus name yeah lord we need help mm-hmm. we're just we're uh very aware of how we can just sort of move on in life and move from these truths and so i just pray anchor this in my heart in bill's right. heart in the heart of every listener today that Lord, we would get in the right position, mm-hmm. and Lord, we we would ask uh, in this season and future seasons, uh, Lord, in everyday ways uh, and in every moment, seasons of our church and the city we're in, for a real outpouring of the work of the Spirit and the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. We just welcome that. We welcome that work in our lives and in and in the church and in the, Lord our nation right now. Mm-hmm. So please, God, please awaken that cry in the heart of each of us. That's right. So we we pray, Lord, whatever's suppressing that, I pray that you would remove it. Whatever's in the way of that, I pray you'd rend us of it. But God, I I pray that that real cry would just come bubbling up out of us Mm -hmm. and and you'd be glorified, Jesus, in your name. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, thanks again for joining us today. And I hope you'll uh, stay with us week after week. And uh, our whole goal is not to promote uh, people or even an organization that's trying to promote revival we just want to see god come amen and we want to help you uh as you join with millions of people seeking for a great movement of revival and spiritual awakening so join us and and tell people about the podcast uh, so they can be equipped too and we'll see you next time